I'm Alex Mellaris. And I'm Taisei Fu. And I'd say that, uh, you know, the first two games of this, this semi-final series between Montreal and Vegas has gone probably exactly how we expected it would. Listen back to our recent episode. We both said Montreal will probably have a 2-1 to series lead after three games because they are better than the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, just like, like everybody predicted, right? Um, I mean, look, the Habs came into the series as overwhelming favorites. Uh, and uh, here we are. No. Uh, what the fuck? <laughs> it's 2-1. <laughs> and uh, I still don't really believe it. I don't really believe what happened last night. Uh, it is still all feels like a fever dream. And this team, who showed us constantly all year, post like two weeks into the season, that they're complete dog shit, is somehow... Two games away from going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Or two, you know, obviously, I'm getting way ahead of myself there. This team has plenty of runway to lose. Um, but uh, yeah, 2-1 series lead. They've won the last two games now against the freaking Golden Knights. Um, and last night was probably the wildest of them all. Uh, just how it ended and shit. And uh, yeah, where do I even start? I'm just still in shock. I still can't believe it. All right. Okay, I'll... I'll- take the lead because I thought of something that I think I think is a good way to express how we're both feeling because we both remember the season started so well for Montreal and we were both fully on board right away like oh they're great they're unstoppable some might even say they're a juggernaut and then when things really appeared to fall apart we were like oh no it's happened they've fallen apart and I think we're both rightfully very hesitant to get back on board and so instead of calling them a good team I think they're Montreal is like a bad team that can play a good team on TV. And I think that's what they're doing right now. They're doing a great job of acting like they're a good team when really we know that they aren't. But the acting is fantastic. And but the reason I thought of that was because of the Eric Stahl turnover that led to the Vegas's first goal. And then, of course, a lot of people were, I mean, everyone is more so focusing on the Marc-Andre Fleury turnover that caused Josh Anderson to score the tying goal near the end of the third period. And basically, I was thinking at that point, like, all right, whichever team wins, obviously that that turnover uh, is going to be the story, whether the stall turnover of Vegas won or the flurry turnover if Montreal wins. And I think even like Mark Stone and a couple other of the Golden Knights players were like, yeah, we should have been able to bail out Marc-Andre Fleury uh, because mistakes happen. And as a team, we should be able to bail each other out. And we couldn't do that. And meanwhile, Montreal did what the apparently good teams do and even like Cole Caulfield like uh receiving the pass from Nick Suzuki like what was it 38 seconds after uh the Nick Rod goal it's like you know that's what good teams do when a teammate makes a mistake you have to bail them out and you have to bounce back in a big way so there 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 we go we have the proof this is a good team is that is that the argument here um no, no. my uh, argument was that they're they're acting and pretending like they're a good team Ah, okay, and they're doing all the little they're things. They're doing like, the things that good things make, do. Making up for your good teammates' teams mistakes. Do. Oh, all right. I see. Yeah, um, look. Okay, so I guess we'll we'll start game by game. Which one do we start with? Do, I, do, I, do we start chronologically? Do we start with last night's game? Last night's game feels more relevant. Uh, uh, let's I feel like we should start with game three. All right, okay, all right. So, uh, yeah, so game three, it went about, you know, like for the first say 58 minutes it kind of went about like how you expected the series would kind of go like you know the games um where vegas was putting on an absolute like possession puck possession clinic and it showed in the shot count it showed in the expected goal metrics i mean look the Habs couldn't get shit going they couldn't get any sort of offense 
They they couldn't even get any freaking shots on goal, uh, let alone any sort of sustained offensive pressure. Uh, and yeah, it was just all Vegas. Um, you know, Price made some crazy saves, uh, and that kind of, that kept it a one goal game. But um, it really was all Vegas, Vegas, Vegas for basically the entire game, like just from the puck drop. Like if we look at game one and two, obviously the big story was, oh, the Habs came to play to start the first period. Well, Vegas really just kind of shut that down in game three, took over the game. Um, and it took a while for the goals to come, but like it was like all Vegas all night. Uh, but uh, for and like, you know, for, for the Habs, like we've seen that. We've seen that kind of thing happen all the time, not just this season, but any season um, where, you know, they face a better team. And even how, even against the Leafs, you know, like games two to four, um, you know, you mentioned how game one kind of felt, did feel like, you know, the Leafs series when they were losing those three games in a row. Um, well, yeah, game three was kind of starting to feel like that too. Um, until it fucking didn't. Uh, yeah. I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, because we were talking a bit during the game about, uh, because obviously a big story was how lopsided the shot on goal counter was. And it was like, oh man, Vegas is dominating. I didn't really feel that way. I don't know. I, I It seems like I'm the only one, but you, I was even saying that during the game, like it doesn't feel that lopsided. And you're like, I disagree. But I know Montreal wasn't getting many scoring chances for most of the game. It didn't feel like, I mean, Vegas, they got a couple, but it was it didn't feel like they were ever really hemming Montreal in or getting that much sustained pressure or even getting too many grade-A scoring chances, even though they were shooting way more than Montreal was, and they were the better team. But it never at any point that game really felt like it was out of reach for Montreal or that they were getting totally outclassed. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's partly in the score, though. You know, like, if it was like, you know, if Vegas pots in a couple of them, like, the price doesn't make one of, the, one of those crazy saves, it, it kind of does feel out of reach, I feel. Um, I think it's yeah, a matter I'm just of... Saying, it I never really felt like they were going to. It never really felt like they were going to score a couple and make it become out of reach. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's my have glass is kind of clouding it, because I always expect the other team's going to score, like, a couple, and then, you know, okay, let's pack it in. I could turn the TV off 10 minutes early <laughs> and just be sad for the rest of the night. Um, but, uh... Yeah, like that—that that is a part of Vegas too. Like you know, like it's—it's—it's it's, it's part. It's, it's what they've done for many years now. Like their big problem is what they're finishing. Like they're—they're they're really good. They've always been really good, even from year one of their existence. Um, a very big puck possession team, and they'll—they'll they'll just like they're great in the neutral zone, and then and then and then they're great in the transition. You know, like it's crazy how well they're able to gain the zone, especially compared to the way the Habs do against Vegas. It's just like, it's complete night and day. Um, but yeah, what is it with Vegas? Like they, it's just, and it seems like I've, we've been hearing this for years now. It's like, they can't really find a way to finish to score the goals. Um, and like, what's the metric for that? Um, okay. I sound like an old man now. Uh, but, uh, it's just yeah. like, <laughs> I don't fucking I don't get it. tell you that. <laughs> yeah, they're very prone to being snake bitten, and that hit an all time high last year in their series against Vancouver uh, when Thatcher Demko stonewalled all of them, and then they could barely even recover because Thatcher Demko had you know messed with them so much, even though Vegas still ended up winning that series against Dallas, and it's kind of a pattern with them, and I guess you can only quantify it and like we got a ton of of great forwards just maybe not as that much finishing talent. I don't know. Maybe that's the best we can do um, in terms of explanations, but let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Josh Anderson 
tying goal and Marc-Andre Fleury's gaffe because honestly that was by far the most fun way I could have imagined for the Canadians to tie that game <laughs> because I wasn't I wasn't expecting them to tie the game and the fact that it happened on a play that was clearly entirely luck and not at all deserved on Montreal's part was really fitting I found and of course everyone a lot of people are comparing this to Marc-Andre Fleury's famous uh, 2004 turnover at the World Juniors for Canada that cost that team the the tournament and you know he kind of and apparently I think I saw was like Jesse Granger or something that had who had done an interview with Flurry at one point who said after that 2004 mistake, he was very hesitant to play the puck at all for like a very long stretch, or like he was much more more cautious about it before. He, and it took a while for him to finally get his confidence back. I assume there'll be a difference between like a 19 year old Mark Andre Flurry and 36 Mark on uh 36 year old Mark Andre Flurry in those terms. But like even people were saying like, oh, this kind of looks like. 2012 playoffs Mark andre Fleury who gave up like eight goals four times in a row to the Philadelphia Flyers he's back again and I don't think so I think Mark andre Fleury is probably gonna recover just fine but for the, for that that moment when it just because you look at it uh in like the replay and it wasn't even like it was just in, felt like entirely bad luck it just took a funny bounce off his stick and then through his skates. Like, who could have even predicted that even if he did bobble the puck, that it would bounce in that direction exactly to where Josh Anderson was in the perfect trajectory? So that was definitely a highlight of the playoffs so far for Montreal, and it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I've seen a better goal. Um, Just it was truly an art form Um, because it felt very hopeless. Because, yeah, you know, the Habs managed to prevent the Golden Knights, or Carey Price managed to prevent the Golden Knights from scoring that third goal. But man, the Habs couldn't really get anything going. Uh, even like in those final minutes, because what, they scored with two two minutes left, and I guess they were trying to press with four minutes, with about four minutes to go. Um, but like, you know, they couldn't really get anything going. And the whole, you know, did you really, like when Shea Weber shot that puck down the ice, were you really anticipating the Habs to really tie the game? I certainly wasn't. No, I was like, well, okay, they gave it a good shot. Thank you, Price, for keeping it a one-goal game. All right, and you know they were gonna pull the goalie, and it was gonna be all that. And you know the Habs were pressing; they were pressing all game. Um, and yeah, for that to happen, truly out of fucking nowhere. I mean, the most harmless fucking dump it I've ever seen. I mean, Anderson, what he tipped it in? It was right? almost an accident. Um, yeah, exactly. That's how fucking close it was. Um, and yeah, truly a fucking nothing play. And really, like, what was it on the Vegas broadcast? Like the one that they they showed in the states. The, the commentator was just talking about how, like, <laughs> like Flurry was playing the puck and how it was great. And, you know, like, the Vegas night, the, the Knights haven't given them anything. Yeah. And then that fucking goal happened. Just truly an art form. Um, but, yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen such an out-of-nowhere goal. Uh, and it was such a gift. Like, oh, my God. Like, I was even anticipating that he was going to fucking miss the net. I can't lie. I was like, oh, my God. He's going to... Oh, <laughs> it was... Yeah, for the for a split second, you're thinking, oh, is he going to be able to bury it? Yeah, I understand that for sure. Uh, but yeah, because I think that goal was probably the loudest cheer I've had for any Habs goal in a really long time. Because most of the time, you know, as you said, you do see the play developing. And you're like, oh, is a goal coming? And then if a goal does come, it's kind of like a yay. But this one, it was just, it was just so out of nowhere that I kind of just shouted. And yeah. it was kind of... Right, I think yeah, I think you probably uh-huh. the same thing uh, happened to you. And then, all right, before we get to the overtime goal, do we want to talk about how terrible the officiating was yesterday, or is it just you know so done to death? Like, oh yeah, oh refing is bad. What a shocker! Oh, it's the worst one we've seen in ten years. Oh, I can't believe it. Just like last week. 
Wow, good point. Um, but you know, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, that was I don't know the worst officiated game ever. Okay, maybe not ever, but that was fucking bad. And it's been fucking bad for basically every single playoff game. Um, like you know, you're talking about lightning and Isles. It's like every game they're talking about the officiating. Uh, and it fucking sucks. Why are we talking about the refs so much? Uh, we really shouldn't be. Like what the lightning they had, like you know, the point interference, the goalie turn interference. The, uh, the lightning had too many men on, like there's seven people on the ice or some shit like that. And then there was that random ass interference call that, like, you know, doesn't ever get called in the playoffs. Um, it's just like it's like the whole narrative is about the officiating, and it fucking sucks. And you know what? What else is there to say? Yeah, it has been absolutely done to death. But I still think it's worth mentioning um, because. You know, I don't think we should succumb to this absolute atrocious refereeing. I mean, you talk about Corey Perry fucking bleeding, bleeding profusely from the face. But that's not the worst thing. That's not the only thing, right? Uh, that was probably the most egregious one. But just left and right. It's like, isn't that a penalty? Apparently not. Um, and, you know, it happens on both sides, sure. But, you know, first of all, Vegas seems to get away with a lot of these. I don't understand. Apparently, like, I keep seeing, like, oh, Vegas keeps doing this. If that's a thing, like, all right, sure. Uh, Vegas Saints, apparently. Um, but ah, fuck! I'm sick of it. I'm sick of having to think about the refs. You know, like I mean, if, yeah. but it's it's like it's just so bad. You can't even help but talk about it. Yeah, I heard a theory that I really liked, which is that refing is always this bad. It's just it's on a, like a bigger stage in the playoffs, so we talk about every play more. But these types of botched calls happen all the time during the regular season, and it's just no one cares as much. And I think there's definitely something to be said about that. Uh, the other thing, of course, is uh, Chris Lee who uh, Habs fans probably recognize. Well, first of all, he refed last night's game. And he also, I think, was one of the referees for most of the series between the Habs and the Flyers in the bubble last year. When uh, Was that when Kakanyemi got suspended? Was that against the Flyers that that happened? I do know whenever Kakanyemi got that suspension, Chris Lee was the ref. And also Brendan Gallagher got like uh, his jaw broken by a cross check that wasn't called in a game Chris Lee was refing. And I'm very hesitant to entertain any sort of all oh, refs are biased against my team sort of things because it always is bullshit. Except there, you know, Chris Lee. Uh, he, here's 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 a fun stat for you. Uh, the Habs. This is from at Red Falcon eighty two. The Habs see an increase of thirteen percent penalty minutes during regular season and twenty one percent during playoff games when Chris Lee is refing compared to their other games. Uh, that's based on the last 1,782 games, 101 of them with Chris Lee as the referee. So that's a massive sample size. And 21% increase in penalties during playoff games is a <laughs> massive leap. And there, there are the stats for the stats people. And the eye test people have more than enough of stuff to go off of, even just from yesterday. And that Corey Perry one, the Marshall So High stick on him in overtime is by far the most egregious one to me because the whole game I was like uh, I can't even be bothered about about non-calls anymore and then that one came up and it was the most blatant textbook <laughs> double minor high stick you could possibly ask for Marceau and Perry they aren't touching anyone else the puck is like a little bit away from them Marceau swings the stick up into Corey Perry's face Corey Perry falls onto the ice removes his hand and there's more blood than you could possibly imagine ever coming out from a face no call i did mention to you if they did call that the house probably would have lost somehow so whatever i'm not too bothered by it but on the other hand i am bothered by it because uh i thought that they like pulled chris lee from the habs flyer series last year and now they have him refing habs playoff games again so i don't know what this guy's beef is with montreal 
if he just doesn't like the color red or something, I don't know. But I would much prefer if we had other referees who are who at least are better at hiding their incompetence, uh, refing <laughs> these games. You you gotta wonder what the hell what the hell is the ref thinking? What does he think happened that led to Corey Perry bleeding that profusely? Like, what's the thought process there? Did he think he spontaneously combusted and then all of us were spontaneously bled? Like, I, I'm so confused. Um, like, I don't understand how you look at that and you say that's not a penalty. It's the most obvious fucking call. The bleeding was instantaneous. How do you see that and not think penalty? I don't understand. A four-year-old could call that shit. And, you know, like, yeah, apparently. So, yeah, I, I saw the people complaining about Chris Lee even before the game started. And I was like, Chris Lee, oh, fuck, we're going to get jobbed, aren't we? And we did. A fucking job. It's awful. Uh, and apparently, I think I saw that he might be even officiating the next game um, if he doesn't get pulled from Hopefully. that assignment. So, uh, yikes. Fucking yikes on Chris Lee. Yikes on the officiating. Because, yeah, it's not even just Chris Lee. It's the, the, the those clowns leading the, the, the Isles Lightning game, too. And it's basically every single referee. Because, honestly, you know, you could talk you could talk about individuals. And, yeah, Chris Lee seems to be particularly incompetent vis-a-vis the Habs. But, like, the, the entire system here is completely broken. And the league's directives seem to be uh, very contradictory uh, at best. And at worst, do not prioritize player safety whatsoever, um, let alone any sort of consistency game to game. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to add at this point other than uh, all the refs fucking suck and that's the league's fault. And, you know, you can replace the referees, all the individual referees all you want. But, uh, you know, the league gets, needs to get it right. And we've said that so many times over. I remember, I, I can already, I'm like, I'm already thinking to myself. I've said exactly the same words already. Um, but, uh, yep. yeah, it needs but to be Tim said. Peel. Mm, exactly. Yeah, we probably should have mentioned before this point that Dominic Ducharme tested positive for COVID yesterday because that's a pretty big story. Um, and Luke Richardson is now the, like, interim interim head coach obviously i think they said uh ducharme had gotten both of his vaccines and still got covid uh so there might be a a wake-up call for some people like you know you got to keep taking precautions until more of the population has uh, the double vax hopefully i'm gonna be able to move my appointment up soon um but anyway i was expecting kind of a similar reaction you might remember this is the second year in a row that montreal is missing their head coach during the playoffs because claude julian had a, had a health scare in the bubble last year and it was kirk muller who took over as the head coach for a couple games against the flyers and that first game with kirk muller behind the bench the abs had like their greatest game of the entire season they beat the flyers like 5-1 or something like that i was expecting kind of a similar similar thing to happen here where it's like you know the the absence of the the coach win it for Ducharme or whatever gives them a kind of a, a bolt of energy, um. But uh, that, that didn't quite happen. But I mean, they still won, so whatever. They won the game, uh, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> yeah, they won the game. Um, yeah. So with, with Luke Richardson behind the bench now, first of all, I think is like the first uh non French speaking head coach to ever win a Canadiens playoff game or something like that. Uh, also, Ducharme is going to be isolating for fourteen days, which means. If the Canadians were to somehow make the Stanley Cup final, it would be like halfway through. I think like by game four at the earliest or something like that, that he would uh, that he could possibly return. And that must be so heartbreaking because obviously, you know, this is his full time job, his passion. He's putting like probably every waking moment he has into this team. And now he can't be there at the most important time of the year. So that's just that must suck. Yeah, that fucking blows for him. Uh, Hopefully he gets better soon and that he doesn't. 
have a bad case. Hopefully the double vax helps him out in that in that circumstance. Um, but uh, yeah, you feel for him um, because you know, despite all the coaching decisions, uh, the fucking weird roster decisions. I mean, like you know, starters and all that, and healthy scratches and whatnot. Um, you know, his system has worked to his credit. It has worked. It has worked in his strategy of like kind of neutralizing the first line of both the Jets, the Leafs, and yeah, even Vegas to this point, you know, by throwing the Deneau line at them and then just kind of letting your other three lines, rolling your four lines, letting them work. And, you know, I guess to an extent maximizing how your defense works, um, the way he's been using them, you know, it's fucking worked. And here they are in the third round with a fucking series lead. Uh, And so, yeah, it, it sucks that he's gone, but it seems that you know, based on what we saw yesterday, that the Habs have really bought into the system and they seem to know the system pretty well, uh, except for your occasional fucking Eric Stahl giveaway. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, moving forward, is Dominic Ducharme on the bench such a huge loss? I don't particularly think so. Like, I don't see him as some sort of, like, matchup whiz or anything like that. I think, this, like, his greatest asset so far to the team these playoffs has been, you know, the way the way his system has really brought a sort of almost defensive cohesiveness within the team. Um, and I think that's still there without him. Um, but, uh, yeah, it sucks for him. You definitely feel for him. Cohesiveness. Is that the word? I, I would have said cohesion. Are they just, like, synonyms? Yeah, yeah cohesiveness. That works. You you got you got a word. Congratulations. Um <laughs> awesome news. Lady Bing trophy. Jacob Slavin oh. is the winner. Uh only the second Jacob. defenseman to win since nineteen fifty four. Do you remember <laughs> last year with the Lady Bing trophy? Uh when uh people were rightfully getting upset about the fact that Austin Matthews was a finalist for the Gentlemanly Conduct Award when he had like Munda security guard <laughs> yeah. uh, like right before the season started. And then uh-huh. Like a couple people were like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't put enough thought into a vote. I just looked at like you know penalty minutes and stuff." Well, Austin Matthews was a finalist again, and it kind of flew under the oh. radar that he just was a finalist again for the second year in a row. Uh, so good work, NHL award voters, not learning from your mistakes. Speaking of, uh, unless you have any thoughts on the Lady Bing, which I don't think anyone normally has any thoughts on the Lady Bing, uh, we could also talk about the GM of the Year award and those finalists that came out yesterday. Sure, uh, let's do it. Um, so. You know, we have Lula Morello. To be expected, everybody seems to revere the guy. Um, then we have Bill Zito, who, you know, sure, built a very nice uh, Florida Panthers team who were absolutely humming this year. And then third nominee kind of took me by surprise. It, it came out of fucking nowhere. It's yours truly, Habs General Manager Mark fucking Bergevin. <laughs> in a move so sh- so blatantly and hilariously clouded by recency bias for an award that literally is about the regular season that I, it's just mind-blowing. Fucking incredible. Um, so, yeah. Okay, let me stop <laughs> you right there. Uh, okay, first of all, the award's not about just the regular season, which is why they do vote on it after the second round of the playoffs. So it does make sense that they take the playoff performance into consideration. However, I... I'm of the belief that Mark Bergman's nomination here is 
is it, you can all the only thing you can do to justify voting for him is totally ignoring the regular season because that was a bad team in the regular season. Uh, but basically, so I think the pattern we've been seeing with the GM of the Year award, the Jim Gregory GM of the Year award, as it's now called officially, is it's usually since it's voted on after round two, three of the four conference final teams. This year was two of the four plus Bill Zito with the Panthers. And I, I think Bill Zito is a good nomination. I think he checks a lot of boxes for the award because A, the team was very good. And also, a lot of that was to do with a lot of very good transactions that he made during the past season. Trading for Patrick Hornquist was big. Trading for Sam Bennett worked out amazingly well. Signing Alexander Wenberg, that was a great fit. Uh, and, you know, he brought another Racco Gudis. Marks Nivara didn't play much. But Bill Zito made a bunch of moves. They all worked out well. And the team got better. That's great. Mark Bergevin made a lot of good moves, too. And here's the thing. What I, what I think, the, all right, let's look at the four teams that made the conference finals. All right, Tampa, I can honestly understand why Brisebois didn't get the nomination uh, because he didn't actually make that many transactions within the past year. And also people are probably mad at him about that cap stuff with Kucherov. Vegas, uh, that's the one I was surprised about that Kelly McCrimmon didn't get a nomination because he brought in Alex Petrangelo, who's been their best player for the entire playoffs. But then, you know, your GM, you're looking at, at these four teams. Look at Montreal, you go, all right, they made round four. And also, Mark Bergerman made a lot of transactions during the past season. Toffoli, Josh Anderson, Jake Allen, Corey Perry, Joel Edmondson. All the transactions he made have worked out pretty much, and the team has made it far. And you don't have to think too hard about the fact that they were dog shit for 65% of the regular season because you ticked those two boxes. So honestly, if I had to predict beforehand what the nominations would have been, I would have seen, yeah, Mark Bergman made it far, made moves that worked out. So, so there, there's your explanation. Yeah. But oh man, like what, what's, what stupidity is this word? Jesus Christ. Why don't they just call it? Why do they call it GM of the year? Why don't they just call it GM of the past four weeks? I don't get it. Um, <laughs> And because yikes, man, this team fucking sucks. The roster construction is this is the slowest defense in the league. They struggle for like the quote that stands out. Like, what was it a few days ago? Uh, sometime this week, the quote I saw from Bergman, I sent it to you and I kind of laughed at it was that, you know, what he said, quote, there were no easy nights in the North Division. Like, yeah, that's because you fucking sucked. Yeah, because um, you're a bad team. Yeah. yeah, no easy nights for the Sabres yeah. either. Exactly. Oh my God. At the at the at the uh, like you're just telling on yourself there. Um and <laughs> you know like Christ, I don't get it. Like, did you not watch the regular season? Did you not watch as this team floundered um and like just managed to claw their way into the playoffs with the fucking Calgary Flames and lost most of the games to the Ottawa Senators? Um I just I don't get like I get I like right. I get where they're coming from, you know, transactions. Oh, he made it to the final four. But that just that last point seems to cloud over the entire regular season where they were like bad. Like wouldn't make the playoffs 18th in the in, in the uh in the league in points percentage bad. Um this was not a good roster. You just look at the regular season. Have they gotten hot over the last few weeks? Oh yeah, they have. And I'm enjoying the ride, but you can't possibly you can't, I don't think you could possibly give that credit to Mark Bergevin or possibly convince me that he deserves a nomination over other guys. You know, even I think Breezewa deserves an absolutely uh, shot. Like, okay, people are mad at him for uh, the cap stuff, but that's his fucking job. And he did a good job with the cap stuff, did he not? Um, and then you okay, have like Joe Sackick. Even... What? 
yeah, even if you ignore the cap stuff, like Breezeball this year traded for David Savard uh, for like a first and a third and a fourth for David Savard. So like not he didn't do much this year to merit a nomination. Joe Sackick, that's the one I wanted to point out because he brought in Devon Taves for very cheap and Brandon Saad for he, he gave up a liability Nikita Zadorov to get Brandon Saad. Joe Sackick had a killer year and his team won the President's Trophy. I have no idea why why he didn't get a nomination. Honestly, if I think Mark Bergevin's nomination because of all the moves he's made this year is kind of more defensible than the Lamorello nomination because Lamorello traded Devontae to Joe Sackick and gave up a first for Palmieri and Travis Zajac, which, I mean, that's a fine deadline acquisition. It's one move. It's, you know, he didn't fleece anybody. And once again, he remember, he won it last year. And he's basically just the best GM at having Barry Trotz as your coach. He's really good at hiring and keeping Barry Trotz. And that's why he's been nominated for the award again. That wasn't even such a great, like, it wasn't even like, a, oh, he managed to steal Barry Trotz. Like, for, I, I, like he, it was a diamond in the rough. Like, fuck, Barry Trotz just won the Stanley Cup the year before he was hired by the Islanders. And, and what, the Islanders were the only bunch- coaching vacancy when Barry Trotz <laughs> yeah. left Washington. It's what I keep bringing up to people. And they're like, oh, Lamorello. I think I mentioned this, like, last week. People are, like, praising Lamorello for having, like, Lord Barry Trotz to, to the New York Islanders. And it's like, if he wanted to coach, that was his only option that year. So it's Lamorello did nothing that I couldn't have done. It's really fucking dumb as shit. Um, so yeah, like, so I agree with you 100%. Lamorello, like, you can't... What? What are you talking about? Like, Lamorello hasn't even built a fucking good team. Like, they're a team that wins in the playoffs because of Barry Trotz. And like, sure, give him credit for the hire, but as we just mentioned, don't give him all the fucking credit. Um, and so, yeah, completely absurd. And the fact that Barry Trotz... What? How many votes did he get for the fucking Jack Adams? Like, one third place vote? Oh, or something barely shit like any. That? Completely, completely Which- fucking bonkers. It's see here's the all right if um if coach of the year were voted after round two like GM of the year Barry Trotz probably would have won, uh the Islanders though finished fourth in the division so Barry Trotz wasn't making that many headlines, um so I I kind of I understand why Barry Trotz wasn't nominated because of that but I mean we should have learned our lesson by now that every year Barry Trotz brings the Islanders farther than they should go based on what the roster actually looks like, yeah which Lou Lamorello built. Um, fucking Leo Komarov playing next to Matt Barzal. How absurd is that? Um, so yeah, just truly, truly a mind numbing of a series of nominations there. Um, the stupidity is incredible and yeah, like nominate Sakic. It's like, just do the no brainer thing. Like, you know, nominate Sakic, nominate McCrimmon and just call it a fucking day. Don't, what is this galaxy brain bullshit? Like, are you kidding me? Mark Bergevin? (laughs) We were talking about firing the guy if they had lost like two more games to the fucking flames. Like, Oh my God! You can't convince me this guy's a top three general manager of the year. For crying out loud, it's pathetic. Game five for the uh, Leafs in overtime. He might be out of a job right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and truly a work of art. All right. Um, let's see. Where else do we go? Do we keep talking? No, I want still, to look still... at one more thing. I want to look yep. at one more thing. I'm pulling up this year's standings. All right, here they are. Because uh, the the GMs who vote on the Vesna Trophy, a lot of people noticed that they gave it to the top three goalies and wins this year, which is why Hellebuck got shafted. It was, what was it? Uh, Vasilevsky, Fleury, and Grubauer. I'm looking at uh, the league standings this year. If you had given GM of the year to Sakic, McCrimmon, and Don Waddell, who are the top three teams in the NHL, that makes a lot of sense. 
even though I guess Waddell didn't do that much this year. Uh, but, you know, it would make more sense than Lou Lamorello and Mark Bergevin. Anyway, let's talk about, speaking of, here, here's another great transition. I just mentioned Don Waddell. Now let's talk about some interesting thing that he did this week uh, with uh, his prized, unrestricted free agent, best UFA on the market this year, uh, even including Ovechkin and Landeskog and Taylor Hall. It's Dougie Hamilton. And the Hurricanes... Probably want to bring him back because every team should want Dougie Hamilton, even though he does like to go to museums. But the Hurricanes basically said, we'll allow you to talk to other teams before, normally it's a week before. Uh, actually, no, not anymore. That that was uh, abolished last year. Uh, you can start talking to other teams, uh, see what they want to offer you. And most people are saying this is an interesting piece of, uh, I don't know if negotiation tactic on Don Waddell's part, as much as it's done as much as it's like, oh, this will probably move the process along. If he is determined, if Hamilton is determined to wait till free agency opens and talk to other teams, then we might as well let him do the talking now and then hopefully see that we're the best fit for him and he'll want to come back here and we can get that contract locked in before the offseason really gets going. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really... Like, there. everybody was like, oh, yeah, I guess that's what it is. They're speeding the process along more than anything. I don't really think it helps to convince Dougie Hamilton to stay. Like, if he wants to stay or the offers aren't there in the market, like, that's what it is. Um, so, yeah, I guess smart move on their part, just, like, kind of getting ahead of the curve. Uh, and so you kind of know where you are, like, as you enter free agency. Um, and so you can plan accordingly. Um, and also, like, I, I saw, like, the, the, the prospect of a sign-and-trade uh, going down here, and then the Carolina gets some sort of asset for it. I mean, if you can manage to work that out, uh, and Hamilton is, like, intent on walking, I mean, that's just another great piece of business. Um, but you know, we don't typically see sign and trades in the NHL. Um, but who knows, maybe it could happen. And plus like, why would you do that? If you're a team right now, like before the expansion draft, like you're just, I, what I would do is just like, Hey, nun, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Dougie Hamilton. We'll give you your contract to sign it after the expansion draft. Um, and if Seattle picks us, picks you just don't sign, come sign with us. Um, but yeah, getting ahead of the curve. I think that's what I see it from Carolina. Um, and where do I think he'll land? Uh, like, any do I have any predictions for what'll happen? Huh. That's an interesting question. Oh, you just asked that question to yourself. You just I made am, that I up in your own head. Yes, I'm just t- thinking out loud right now. Um, <laughs> and... I mean, if I was Hamilton, he's really found himself in a great defensive core on a team there that really works. Um, I know this is a Carolina test to be a stingy team. But uh, I don't know. It seems like a really good fit for him, and like he's been playing really well. Um, so if he can secure that bag from Carolina, that Don Don money, um, I I would <laughs> like he just fucking works there, man. So uh, he's probably playing the best hockey of his life right now in Carolina, and the talent around him fucking rocks. Uh, so I think the best place for him is to stay where it works right now. Um, but maybe the money speaks otherwise. Yeah, it's been a great fit in Carolina for him, but I see Hamilton as the type of player that would work great anywhere because he's he's just that good. I don't I don't really see him going anywhere. It's like oh, it's not a good fit, and my production tailed off. Uh, obviously, as with every big name free agent, even still, Toronto has been in the mix, especially because Kyle Dubas has been you know really interested in Dougie Hamilton in the past for good reason, and like you know loves this player. Um, I don't know how they'd make it work unless they can trade Morgan Riley is what a lot of people are talking about, but I still, I think he'll stay in Carolina just because it's so much more difficult for any other team 
to make the room to add a big name UFA when Carolina already has most of the room because, you know, it's his contract that's expiring. Um, on Dougie Hamilton, though, I feel, oh man, we don't give enough flack to the two teams that gave him up. Like, mm-hmm. Boston traded him for a first and two seconds, and if they had easily used that first on Matthew Barzal, most people probably wouldn't have cared. But the fact that they went, of course, you know, Zach Sinitian, and then the second rounders were Jakob Forsbacka Carlson and Jeremy Lozon. It's like, wow, that didn't work out so well. And then Calgary, that deal, uh, that they could have given up, like, two Norris finalists. They traded Dougie Hamilton with Adam Fox, who wasn't going to sign with them anyway and didn't even end up signing with Carolina. But it was Dougie Hamilton, Adam Fox, and Michael Furland for Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm. And it was just because, you know, Dougie Hamilton, oh, he didn't mesh with our team. He didn't, like, go into the steakhouse with us. He'd rather go, you know, look at paintings in the museum. Um, and I, I mean, if, if we had that podcast at that point, we would have probably ripped Calgary to shreds for that. And we don't necessarily have to spend too much time doing it now, but there's a little Dougie Hamilton sidetrack for all the listeners. Yeah, I mean, underappreciated up until now by the teams who uh, have had him. And like, honestly, about Carolina, you know, I don't I fucking offer him all the money. I don't, what the, what's their cap situation like? Like, what do, one sec, let me just. Uh, they're going to have, I think, a fair amount of room next year. Uh, and they're losing a couple like lower the end of the lineup guys like Brock McGinn, Jordan Martinuk, Cedric Paquette are UFAs. Uh, both are uh not both their goalies, but Mrazek and Reimer are both UFAs. So and they're gonna need to sign Nadeljkovic, who's an RFA, and Jake Bean. Oh, Sveshnikov's an RFA too. So they do have some work to do this off season. Uh, but I think they probably should be able to hold on to Hamilton without too much trouble because. It looks like they have like almost thirty million dollars right now to sign, like Hamilton, Svechnikov, Nedeljkovic, a, a backup goalie, and fill out you know some more depth in the lineup. So that should be enough wiggle room for them. Yeah. So like what we we talking like nine million dollars for Hamilton over like five, a maximum six years? nine million. It'll probably be less than that. Yeah. Okay. Well, if that's the case, uh, if I'm Carolina. Just play to your strengths and and keep this guy. I that's what I think. Anyways, like I don't think they should be uh, playing stingy. Well, obviously you want to get the best deal for your team if you're the general manager. But um, I don't know. I would. I may. Who knows what? I don't know where their head is at. But if this is truly like okay, all right, you're asking for too much money. You can go now. Um, like you know, what are you gonna do with all that cap space anyways? Right, you're not even losing that many guys. Like, uh, there's not there. There really aren't that many holes in this roster to fill, other than you know, obviously resigning Adukovic and like getting a capable backup, unless it, it, it just in case you know he goes undergoes some sort of sophomore slump. Um, but like, where else are you going to use the money? Get an elite defenseman, or just get him to return. You already know he works. Um, so if I'm Carolina, I'm making that push. Um, and yeah, it remains to be seen whether that's actually what they're going to do. Um, but certainly an interesting bit of negotiation. Like, uh, all right. See what's out there for you. Yeah, the thing with that is like, even if another team goes to Hamilton and is like, "Oh, I will offer you eight and a half by seven, that they can't sign that contract right now. But Hamilton gets that information, and the Hurricanes probably also get that information, and they get a sense of like, "All right, how can we, you know, match this offer?" To and whereas you know, if you waited till free agency day, then it's kind of a mad scramble to be like, "No, I will right, give you." $500,000 more than our last offer. Uh, so I think this is probably pretty smart for, for the Hurricanes. Speaking of players who might leave, here's a tweet from Kevin Weeks. 
As of now, talks with likely rookie of the year Kaprizov and Minnesota Wild have gone cold. My understanding is he's in Moscow, and it's believed CSKA is interested in signing him for KHL and Olympics. First of all, I'm pretty sure NHL players are going to be in the Olympics, so it's not like if he re-signed with the Wild that he couldn't go. But anyway, everyone kind of started freaking out about this, and I think the, the concept of Kirill Kaprizov coming to North America for one year, being a breakout star, winning the Calder Trophy, and then saying, see ya, and going back home is pretty funny. But also, even just this tweet is like, CSK is interested in signing him. I mean, of course, why wouldn't you be interested in signing Kirill Kaprizov? It doesn't say anything about Kaprizov being interested in going back to the KHL. So I don't think much will come of this. No, I don't think so. If anything, it's like a, a nice little bit of uh, you know leverage there, PR leverage uh, from, I guess, the Kaprizov camp. Um, because uh, the the prospect of Kirill Kaprizov leaving should absolutely horrify and terrify the Minnesota Wild organization and their fans. Um, because without him, they're just a boring bunch of losers back again where they have been since their existence, since the beginning of their existence, like 20 years ago. Um, like he really was the, like not even the straw that stirred the drink. He was the fucking drink that last year. Uh, so like... You know, like, he made Kirill them the exciting. He was fucking electric. It was like, exactly, Kirill the fucking drink. Uh, and, you know, that he was really the only reason why he was on, like, anybody's uh, Twitter feed. The only reason the Minnesota Wild were on anybody's Twitter feed um, was because he brought the highlight reels. Like, that team, you know, without him is, well, back to the fucking dark ages. At least I think so. Um, and so, yeah, I think if I'm the Wild, apparently, what from what, I, from what I've read, like, uh, the Wild want to sign him to a long-term extension. Uh, which makes sense. Um, and meanwhile, Kaprizov wants to keep it shorter term, which, you know, I get like he's betting on himself at that point, right? Uh, especially with this flat cap. Um, and so makes sense too. Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think I think Kaprizov does have the leverage here. Um, and I think he's kind of flexing. Oh, that. Yeah. I think that's what this is. Um, it, it, this was really this was really what it, I, I perceive it to be. I don't think it's a it's a legitimate threat that he goes, but he, this is like his camp going nudge, nudge, look. You know, like CSK is interested, and why the hell wouldn't they be? And uh, you know, he comes from Russia, so easy transition if he want, if if, if that's what he wishes. And so, uh, yeah, really, the pressure's on Minnesota to resign this guy because uh, without him, they're fucked. <laughs> they are fucked. Yeah, I'm looking right now to see if he's eligible for an offer sheet. Um, no, he is not eligible for an offer sheet. Ah, oh, that sucks. That would have been because I was thinking that might be a candidate for an offer sheet. Uh, for the team wants to sign you like eight years and he Kaprizov probably wants like what maybe like a three-year deal that walks him to UFA or something like that Uh, but sorry no offer sheet for you Kirill uh, probably wouldn't have happened anyway because it happens like every eight years if we're lucky Um, here's another piece of news the Rangers hired a new head coach Gerard Gallant one of the big names on the market uh, who got the upstart plucky Canadian World Championship team, the underdogs, all the way to the gold medal. For anyone who wasn't paying that close attention to that tournament, basically Team Canada started off terribly. They lost like their first three games or or might have even four games to like Germany and Kazakhstan. But then they bounced back right when like basically right when Andrew Mangiapane joined them. And uh, I guess that kind of speaks to the quality of the tournament, that Andrew Mangiapane was the big difference maker who also won the MVP. And Gerard Gallant uh, was the coach of that team. And all of a sudden, apparently, that was NHL teams were like, wow, yeah, we know he brought the expansion Vegas Golden Edge to the Stanley Cup final, but helping Team Canada win gold at the World Championship, 
we've got to get this guy. And he ended up uh, in New York with the Rangers. I can't imagine a scenario where this isn't a massive upgrade on David Quinn. And I think this is going to be, I mean, a good fit. I don't, I mean, people are saying like, oh, Gallant like might have worked well with Seattle because he works so well with Vegas. And he's great at like, you know, getting the most out of, you know, plucky players or whatever. Like, you know, the the bottom six guys or whatever you like. But I don't see any reason why he can't get the most out of stars too. And the Rangers have plenty of them. Yeah. I mean, look, Gallant's just a really good coach and best on the market. And so... You know, he'll work with the bad teams. He'll also work with the good ones. And the Rangers are, like, somewhere in the middle there. Um, And so, you know, hiring the best coach on the market is definitely not a bad thing. And uh, especially, you know, with the bad coaching that they've had with David Quinn there. So, you know, very nice hire. The Rangers obviously have that kind of money being the franchise that they are. And, yeah, this can only only be an upgrade, as you put it. Um, Because, yeah, and hopefully... uh, well, for the Rangers, it'll work. I mean, they're they're already the underdogs. Well, I guess in that sense, they kind of are the plucky team in the Metro division um, because there are a lot of strong teams there. But uh, yeah, good hire. Good hire. They didn't think too hard about that one. Um, if do we really think the World Championships? I are were the were the was the straw that broke the camel's back on hiring De- uh, Gerard Gallant? I don't think so. I think he was. I think everybody kind of knew this guy was the best guy available. It just really wasn't a job or a t- particular team that wa- that like picked him. Um, but it was only a matter of time, and I think he probably got a shit ton of money from the Rangers, and uh, good for him. Especially how uh, you know it was, you felt you felt bad for him the way the last job ended. You know the fucking uh, the Uber ride over there in uh, in Vegas. Oh, that was two so, jobs uh, ago. That was in Florida. Oh, that's whoops. <laughs> that's true. Oh, unceremoniously replaced by Pete DeBoer. That's what that's what the Vegas one was. Um, yeah, exactly. So there we go. Um, Hopefully this job will end better for him. I don't fucking know what to say. Uh, but uh, yeah, good <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw a funny tweet recently that was like, oh, if the Rangers get Eichel, then they, it kind of feels like they'll be matching the Leafs in terms of stacked teams that go nowhere in the playoffs. I kind of, kind of, you know, I can see that future for New York for sure. Adam Fox, Artemi Panarin, throw Jack Eichel in the mix, and they can never make it out of round one. Honestly, I can definitely foresee that future. But I was, yeah, Gallant, he's a good coach. He was one of the best ones available, maybe the best. But, like, there are some other really good established coaches on the market still, like Bruce Boudreaux and, like, Claude Julien. And I still think Claude Julien is a great coach, and I think someone should snatch him up. He was also one of the only coaches who was uh, who properly wore his mask on a consistent basis on the bench, so that was nice. Shout out to him. Um, okay, so... Where do we go from here? Do we quickly touch on the uh, Lightning Islander series? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Let's touch on that. Um, the Islanders won the first game, and we were all like, oh, no. And the Lightning won the next two. Uh, honestly, the main thing I rem- I think of when I think of that series right now is Braden Point getting called for goalie interference on getting shoved into, uh, was it Varlamov <laughs> or Sorokin? I think it was Varlamov. That's the main thing I think of right now when I think of the Lightning Islanders series. But, I mean, it feels like the Lightning have kind of figured the Islanders out, kind of like they did last year, especially on the power play. The Islanders, they don't have an answer for the Lightning, and I don't think any team really does for their their power play because they really, you know, a lot of teams, like, let's think of the Leafs, have a ton of high-end talent that had a pretty mediocre power play for most of the season. Uh, and the Lightning, they have 
at least as good raw talent as Toronto, probably better on that top power play unit. And they have such a, so much cohesiveness and uh, they really figured it out. They're constantly clicking and uh, they really found the, the best of everything there. Yeah, I mean, you got to think right now, especially with the way, you know, the Habs have won two games. Like, this is, hands down, the Lightning are the favorites to win the Cup right now. Um, Like, it's just, it's not even that they're, like, you know, their cohesiveness and the power on the power play, but it just seems like they can, you know, like, the Islanders were rolling offensively, um, which is, uh, you know, you don't really say that often. Uh, But Tampa's, especially in the last two games, they really kind of, like, found a way to, you know, shut it down. Um. And like the way they closed out the last game, um, when they won two to one, was very Islanders esque. Um, against you know, the, when the Islanders played in the earlier rounds, and I was like, okay, so now Tampa can play defense. Apparently, fuck that. Um, so and, and also Shocking. you know they're yeah, and also like you know Braden Point's been fantastic. Uh, he's like you saw that ridiculous goal last night that, that I think that was a game winner. Um, while he was like lying down and just like. Whoop slingshot into yeah, the that's crazy uh and and vasilevsky's like him and price up there for best goaltender of the playoffs uh and so yeah this team's fucking stacked and they seem to have figured out the islanders and their magic voodoo and so here we are cup favorites tampa bay lightning uh probably gonna repeat at this point um especially if they fucking play the Habs. <laughs> all right um before we do the trivia let's talk about uh this tsn article uh by oh. rick westhead that came out uh two days ago um, so a lot of people have probably heard about it by now. Basically, for anyone who hasn't, during the Blackhawks 2010 playoff run, um, a former video coach, I believe, named Brad Aldrich was uh, accused of by two of his players of sexually assaulting them. And the two players went to management to make them aware of the situation. And basically what happened is the management team uh, which included Stan Bowman, still the GM of Chicago, basically said, uh, we're not going to do anything about it. And they didn't do anything about it. And nothing has happened about it for 11 years until I think there was, uh, I don't remember exactly how this really came to light recently. Um, but but it has, thankfully, because, man, this is, okay. I'm glad I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot of people frame this one specifically as a problem within hockey culture, even though that is a big part of it. But I think the bigger issue here is corporate culture because the Chicago Blackhawks, and I'm, I strongly believe any company, any team uh, in the NHL, I assume would have probably followed the same disgusting protocol that the Chicago Blackhawks did, which is prioritizing your company's image over the well-being of your employees or any other human beings. And really, if we see Stan Bowman lose his job because of this, because he didn't take these accusations seriously at all, then once again, that's the exact same thing. That's Chicago Blackhawks. That's the owner of whoever saying, oops, we got caught. Time to try and save face as much as possible by getting rid of everyone who's involved. Even though if this had never come to light, we would have held on to them, even though we know exactly what they did. Yeah, this is uh this reeks of just trying to sweep it under the rug. Uh and yeah, it's there's no sense of empathy or caring for any of the, you know, the players involved for this, the victims, and it's just like how can you? This is so fucking heinous. Like 
I don't understand how you can see that and someone tells you that or, you know, it gets reported and you just kind of like pretend it didn't happen to protect your, you know, your brand image, whatever the fuck. Um, like, ah, oh man, this shit's so gross. Um, and yeah, you're right. And this is not just a, a hockey thing. I think the hockey thing is uh, it does play a part in it. Um, the, the, the buddy, buddy culture, but also this is, yeah, this is, you're right. This is not just hockey. Um, we've seen uh, a lot of like, you know, it's just corporate culture is very toxic and it's, it, it really is just trying to protect the bottom line, uh, and the PR and that's what's here. That's what's happening here. And it's, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's sleazy as shit. And it starts from the very top. It's clear this is an organizational thing, and this is not just one person saying, "Okay, I'm going to pretend to look the other way." This is a an organization saying, "Yeah, this this doesn't really matter to us." Yeah, you know what it kind of reminds me of? I've heard some horror stories about schools, uh, specifically private schools, who which are you know profit driven, that sweep this kind of thing under the rug as well. We'll get reports of sexual harassment or or even bullying or anything like that and they'll just try and hide it as much as possible so that word doesn't get out and the reputation of their school is uh is dampened i don't know if i'm correct me if i'm not remembering this story correctly but from our high school you know i think at one point there was like a, a physical fight that broke out between two students but there was like resistance from some level of the administration to like to to discipline too harshly because they thought otherwise it might become like a big story and then the school would seem you know not as appealing to prospective students or anything like that maybe i don't recall anything like that but that doesn't surprise me at oh, you don't? all yeah no yeah yeah we're we're right. prioritizing our image over the well-being of our students because we need to make sure that uh you know our our brand or whatever is upheld meanwhile i assume i'm not alone in saying I would be, you know, I would, I would be very appreciative of any, like a school that was very public about taking those allegations seriously. And if I saw a school that was like, yeah, we've fired like three teachers over the past 10 years who were accused of sexual assault. I'll be like, I'm so glad you fired them instead of trying to hide it from me. Yeah. I, yeah. It's also part of that. I don't get like, it's so short-sighted to, uh, to sweep this under the rug, you know, not just in terms of you're harming people, you're putting people in harm's way by not actually dealing with the situation, but also like, um, a, like these things typically come out eventually and you just, you look that much worse. Um, so on that front you fail. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, like there is a sense like, you know, it's, you like to see that kind of transparency, that kind of accountability. And like that is what gains, what I believe gains trust uh, in a system, whether it's school, whether it's a business, you know, that the fact that, you know, you can count on, okay, if there is a problem, if there is a toxic situation, we'll deal with it and we'll get rid of the people involved. There will be accountability. Um, and when there isn't, and then, you, you know, you find out about it later, you're like, well, this is just a fucking horseshit organization. What the hell are we doing here? Um, and like, that's exactly what happened with Chicago. You're just like, you know, 11 years down the road. And now you, you just, you look at the situation. You're like these absolute dipshits and, and like evil people. Like this is an evil decision to actively say, all right, we're not going to actually address it. Um, you know, it's just, it's very short-sighted too. You know, like you're not, you're not serving yourself. You're not serving the people who are, who are the victims of the situation. You're just protecting the, you know, the, uh, what's the word? The perpetrators. Yeah, exactly. 
All right. Um, hopefully that gets resolved and the victims get uh, some sort of peace from the situation. But let's move on to our final segment of the week, which is trivia. And it is my turn to provide some trivia for you. Uh, and I decided to make this one about the Golden Knights since Montreal's playing the Golden Knights. Uh, but it, it is not about the current Vegas Golden Knights. It's about the very beginning of the Vegas Golden Knights and the expansion draft in 2017. Ooh. All right, here's how this quiz is going to work. All right, so on random.org, I've assigned a number 1 through 30 to each of the NHL teams uh, besides Vegas. So basically, you're going to pick like 10 numbers one at a time for one question at a time. And basically, uh, whichever that team is, uh, you're going to have to uh, guess which player was Vegas's official expansion selection from them. I'll give you the player's current team. And I'll give you whether or not there was a side deal involved. And I'll kind of play it by ear whether I feel like I should give you anything else. Okay. All right. So basically, I, I am uh, I'm picking my own fate with this random number thing, right? So Exactly. Right. So pick any number from 1 to 30. Exciting. All right. Let's start with uh, a 17. 17. All right. By the way, um, uh, this uh, the threshold should be like 7 on 10, oh. I think we're thinking. Okay. All, All right. right. Sure. Number 17. All right. So this player's current team is the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, and there was uh, no, yeah. no side deal. There was no side deal involved in uh, in this selection. Okay. But wh- do I get to know what team? Uh, like. Oh, yeah. From? Sorry. Yeah. That's a very important <laughs> part that I forgot to tell you. That's a very important part of this. Yeah. So this is the expansion pick from the New Jersey Devils. And the player is currently on Montreal. Ah. Uh, I think I know because they just mentioned it in the broadcast last night repeatedly. Former Vegas Golden Knight, John Merrill. Good work. You're a one for one. Let's pick another number. All right. Oh, that was such a completely sniped in the Habs one right there. Pat myself on the back. Yeah. Um, Very well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Let's go with uh, number three. All right. Number three is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and this player, I think I know, let me just, let me just check and make sure, uh, shall only take a couple seconds. This player is currently, um, he didn't play at all this year. His most recent team is Jer Gardens in the SHL. His most recent NHL team is the Oilers. And, okay. There was a side deal involved here that involved Vegas getting Tampa's second round pick because Tampa didn't want to lose the likes of Jake Dotchin and Slater Cuckoo, so they gave Vegas this player instead. Oh, wow. Slater Cuckoo, what a valuable asset. Um, <laughs> who? Oh, you said Oilers? That's God. his most recent NHL team. Fucking pick from the oil from the lightning. Yikes! Do I get to know when he played for the Oilers? Uh, yeah, he played for the Oilers during the eighteen nineteen season. He played seventeen Jesus. games. God damn! Um, so I'm looking for an Oilers player who played seventeen games two years ago and has since gone on to play in fucking Sweden. Um, yes. Ooh, that is what you're three was for. a mistake. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I give up. Who is it? Uh, the answer is Jason Garrison. 
Oh, okay. Well, I know that name. Um, and yeah. he has a vague association to the expansion draft. Cool shit. All right. Next up, we got to go 24. 24. All right, number, 20, number 24, that is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this player mm. is currently, I believe, on a KHL team. Let me check which one, because I'm sure that'll help you. He played for CSKA Moskva this year, and his most recent NHL team is the Washington Capitals. There was no side deal for this pick. Okay, all right. So uh, if I recall correctly, um, they picked noted scumbag Brendan Leipzig. Correct. Noted scumbag Brendan Leipzig. That's the one. You are two for three. Oh, hell yeah. We're rolling. Not on pace to win, but we're still rolling nonetheless. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's going to be a slam dunk. What did I pick? 17, 3, 24. Oh, I got to better freaking write these down before I start forgetting. Um, uh, let's see. Give me, give me, uh, hmm. Give me 12. Number 12 is the New York Islanders. Um, this God. player, uh, sorry, let me just, let me just take a look to make sure I've got it right because, wait, where is this guy? All right, there we go. Got it. This player, uh, first of all, there was a side deal involved, oh, uh, that involved, nice. that involved the Islanders giving Vegas their first round pick to take this player and therefore not take the exposed likes of Ryan Strom and Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson, who I think were all exposed, maybe like two of them. Anyway, this player, who's the answer to the question, played this season for the Ontario Reign, is the only team he played for, and his most recent NHL team is the Chicago Blackhawks. When was that? Uh, that was in the 2017-18 season, is his most recent NHL games, ah! and they were for oh, Chicago. Oh, no. Oh, I hate this. Oh, end me. Um, what did you say? The Ottawa Rain? The Ontario Rain? The Ontario Rain. Where the Ontario Rain? Where is that? That's in Ontario, oh, California. That's, that's the LA Kings AHL oh. team. Oh, the LA Kings. Um Jesus. So he's on the he's in the King system as uh, actually guy. technically no, he signed to an AHL only contract this season. Wow. So not even what is this what is this oh 12 is a terrible pick um <laughs> yeah okay let's did you say he oh, whose pick was it even the islanders god yeah. oh man the side deal people always they always suck um yeah yeah because know. this guy like take a first round pick so that you can take this player you know it's not a great player yeah exactly okay who is it Oh, oh you give up? Yeah, I give up. It's a goaltender who was a pending UFA at the time he was claimed by Vegas, Jean-Francois Berube. <laughs> oh, I was never going to get that in a million years. All right. All right. Well, you're two Next for four. Up. Oh, yikes. Only got one mistake left. Yeah. Okay. Who do we go? Oh, right. I keep forgetting. I have to pick the next question. All right, number one. We're going number one. Number. Yeah, yeah. You got to do it. You got to do it. All right. Number one is the Detroit Red Wings. There was no side deal involved, and this player is still on the Golden Knights. Still on the Golden Knights. 
Troy. Oh, 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 I think I know who it is. Is it Thomas Nozek? Correct. Thomas Nozek. I remember when, when Vegas picked him, we were surprised they didn't go with like Peter Morazic or like, why did you take Xavier Wallet or something like that? But Thomas Nozek has worked out pretty well for them. You're three for five. Pick the next number, please. Yeah, Thomas Nozick, first line center. Um, okay, let's <laughs> let's think. Not quite. Uh, okay, we'll go. Uh, we'll go twenty. Twenty. Twenty's pretty good. All right, number twenty is the Vancouver Canucks. There was no side deal for this pick, and the player is currently on the Nashville Predators. Oh God, damn! And he played one game this year. There's another hint for you. Oh, so he sucks. All right, so that's unfortunate. Okay. There was no side deal? No side deal. Um, okay, okay, okay. I think I can get this. I think I can. Um, no, Vegas takes from the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, it's right there. It's right there. I think I know it. Um, plays for the Preds You can now? get it. Oh. Yeah, he's on the on Nashville... At the at the moment, yeah, I but I think he's a pending UFA. There's another hint for you. The spoon feeding you all these fun facts oh, about this player. Yeah, oh pending UFA. Um Oh I think I know who it is. Oh, but I can't Yeah, I think so. Um wasn't it Lucas Biza? Lucas Biza, good work. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's I was, go. <laughs> I was not expecting you to to get that one. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was like, I thought maybe he was the fucking, like the 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 Ducks pick for some reason. I was, I was like, but like, uh, like, he was on the Ducks before he was on the Canucks. He was in the Ryan Kessler trade that sent him, that sent Spisa to Vancouver and Kessler to Anaheim. Perfect, perfect. And then I was like, wait a second, no, 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 he wasn't, he wasn't because that was the the Theodore's ideal. So I was like, you know, anyways, let's go, killed that one. All right, uh, pulled that one out of six. nowhere. All right. So- Four for six. All right. So uh, next one, we're going number 22 for our boy Cole Caulfield. All right. Excellent choice. Number earlier. 22 is the right. Philadelphia Flyers. No side deal. Okay. The player is currently on the Colorado Avalanche. Okay. Our, on the Coral Colorado Avalanche. Ooh, okay. That's nice. Did they? Oh, you, you, you're you not going to tell me if they played. Are, are you? Are they a regular? Uh, I'll, sure. I'll tell you how many games he played this year. Uh, this year he played uh, 53 regular season games. So definitely oh, okay. a regular. All right. a decent and 10 playoff share. games. Okay. So, ooh, That's all, ooh, t- all 10 for Colorado. Oh, oh shit. Okay. Now now we're fucking rolling. Now I know. Uh, now I'm just going to run through the, ro- the Avalanche roster. Um, so he said the Flyers. Um, okay. Let's yep. uh, so let's go. So it's not either. They're goalies. Oh, I know who it is. I know who this is. Shout out to Cole Caulfield for getting me a nice one. Pierre-Edouard Belmar. Good work. It's Pierre-Edouard Belmar. You are now five for seven. You got to go two for three for the remainder okay. and you will win the quiz. What's your next number? All right. Where's where? I'm just looking for the, the, the what's the, the, the box with the Alexi Yamelin hidden in it. All right. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm really aiming for. Uh, okay. Let's try number 11. Come on. Let's go. All right. Number 11 is the Boston Bruins. Ah, oh, goddamn. Um, okay. this player is currently on the Buffalo Sabres and there was no side deal involved. 
Oh, who did the Bruins lose? I don't know who's on the freaking Sabres. Anybody, anybody could play on this. I could play on the Sabres. Um, so that's not that's not. <laughs> the going answer is not much. you. Yeah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, from the Bruins. Who did the Bruins freaking lose? Um, any other hints? You want to spoon feed some more? Uh, nah. You've done pretty well so far. I think you can figure these out. Okay. I can figure out the Bruins pick. Uh, all right. So. Maybe. Okay, so let's see. Okay, so, so the, really the timeline here is you went from Boston to Vegas to Buffalo, presumably. So, like, it's got to take all those boxes. It can't be that many players. Like, Vegas to Buffalo? What the hell has gone on there? Um, was he traded? Uh, fuck my life. Oh, man. Okay, so now I got to think, like... So, like, you know, I don't think Boston... Okay, so it's not a goalie. Um, And so... Okay, all right. Let's figure this out. I feel like it's a forward, but no. I don't know. I really don't. Um, Hmm. Man, how long has it been since this freaking expansion draft? Three years? Four years now coming up. Four years. Um, Okay. Uh, Think, 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 think. Oh, wait, is today like the four-year anniversary of the expansion draft? Because it was like right Maybe. around this time. All right, I want to look up the exact date. Wow. Inadvertently. Does ring a bell. <laughs> uh, it was, great the timing. team selections were announced on June 21st. So, uh, wow. oh, remember, it was joint with the award ceremony. Remember that? It was like NHL Awards yes. featuring the Vegas expansion draft when it was really like the Vegas expansion draft where we also say who won the trophies. Of course, the NHL would market it like that. Like that's the most NHL yeah. thing ever. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Yeah, see us build the the next next uh, juggernaut live on TV, or or figure out who won the fucking <laughs> Lady Bing. Um, would you? <laughs> I know which one I'd rather watch, and it's the fucking Lady Bing. Um, all right. Of course. Uh, okay, so back to the Bruins. Uh, after our, all right, I'm done clearly stalling for time here. Um, I don't know. I feel like I should. I feel like this one will be pain um, because I'll be like, oh, I knew that. But I can't. I don't know it. So number 11 failed me. What is it? You give up? Yeah. The answer is Colin Miller. Ooh. Fuck. I knew he was on the same. He was indeed traded from Vegas to Buffalo. God. God. Oh, no. That's bad. All right. That might be the one that loses me this, this quiz. This so you are all right. You are what are you now? Five, five four, eight. eight. Yeah. Yeah. So you need to get these next two. Come on, come on, Yamelin, and give me the Penguins too. Give me the pen. Give me that flurry pick right now. Um. All right. Let's go. Nineteen. Nineteen is flurry. Uh, how did you know? Nineteen's the Penguins. Oh. <laughs> let's fucking go. Oh, too good. Mark Andre Flurry in the bank. Correct. Ooh. You didn't even need the hints. Okay. Good oh, work. Man. That was shocking. I have to do a double take. Oh. All right. Oh. oh, come on. All right. That's, that's the highlight of my day. All right. So I've picked 17, 3, 24, 12, 1, 20, 22, 11, 19. Number, so no, where's the where's the Yemelin box, man? Where's the Yemelin box? Um, Could it's be anywhere. really giving me single digit vibes. It's serious single digit vibes. Give me number eight. Give me number eight. Come on. 
Number eight is the San Jose Sharks. Oh, uh, this is for the win. All right, okay. I'd be, I'd be, I'm interested to see God. if you can pull this one off. All right, God, this yeah. player is currently listed okay. on cap friendly as unsigned, not retired. He's unsigned, but he has not played an NHL game since 2018-19 with the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, hell yeah! All right. So this is like Alexi Yemelin, but like, you know, poor man's Alexi Yemelin because we got a former hat in there. All right. Um, oh, this is really spicy. This is a spicy, like, win or break it, quite win or lose question. This is, this like, is very spicy right here. Oh, my God. Couldn't have to draw this up better. Like, it's, it's <laughs> not quite Yemelin, but it's got the Habs intrigue. Oh, goddamn. Who played for the Habs? What, 17-18 or 18-19? 18-19 most recently. Oh, no. God damn. Okay, all right. Was selected by Vegas from the Sharks. That's that's so bad. Um, so he's currently unsigned. Yep, unsigned. Man. And hasn't played since 2019. Okay, when he played for the Habs. Two years ago, who was on the Habs? He played for the Habs. It wasn't just like he he actually played for the Habs? Okay. Yeah, he played um, for the Habs. Goalie. Oh, man. All right. Who is on that team? Just two years ago. What the hell did they do two years ago? They shut the bed two years ago. They drafted Caulfield two years uh, ago. That's true. Oh, right. Of course. Um, Which, oh, shout out to Cole Caulfield. He's been excellent. We didn't mention it up until now. Oh, what a superstar. Um, but, uh, what a fucking stud. He's like five game porn streak now. He's insane. He's like, yeah, he's just, it's not even just the points. He's just like, night in, night out, this guy's creating chances like it's nothing. What an absolute vet. Uh, yeah, and he's going to be a rookie next year. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I'm about to get a Calder winner in here. On the Can't Habs. wait. Book it. Um, okay. All right. Let's think. Um, let's, I don't think it's a, four, like, it feels like, you know, Vegas to Montreal. Was that like a, like, I feel like that's a trade, you know, like Vegas trades. Wait, you say in 20, in 2018, 19 was when he played? All right. Yeah, that was his most recent NHL games and they were with Montreal. All right, maybe, you know, I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's a trade from Vegas to, you know, like kind of like Colin. I think it's a defenseman. I really do because they did that thing. Remember, it was like, all right, we're going to take our defenseman and then trade them to another team the next day. Um, So... You know, I feel like it's that kind of vibe. Um, but I can't put my finger on which defenseman. God. Can't even. I remember who's on that team. Um, on the defense. Like, uh, let's see. Like, who's the, who's not even there anymore? Like, it's, you know, you had your Petrie. You had your, you had your Weber. You didn't have your Sherrod, but you had. God, who? Who's on that team? Man. Do I get to know how many games he played in that year? Uh, sure. I'll help you out a bit. That year, he played 18 games. Okay, so he wasn't that good. All right. Oh, man. The name, the Xavier Ouellette just popped into my mind. But it, A, he's still playing. B, we just talked about he how the Vegas then didn't pick him from the runway. Um, oh, and he was never fuck. on the Sharks. And he was never on the Sharks. Good point. 
Oh, fuck. I like it's who's right, called? We might just set a time limit here soon. Okay, all right. Give me give me the time limit. Maybe maybe that'll like uh speed me up here. All right, I'll give you a minute and a half starting okay. now. All right, here we go. Um, listeners, give me your strength. Okay, all right. So let's think. So who's on the team? Jordy Ben was on that team, but they didn't get him from the Knights. Um, and he's never been on the Sharks. Oh fuck! Is it David? Oh, I think so. Okay, he he takes the boxes. I can't remember if he was picked though. I. Was it David Schlemko? David Schlemko. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, yeah. David Schlemko. Right. Wow. Okay. I liked him. I liked him as a defenseman. I miss him. I miss him a little bit. He was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he provides solid meme content, I think. I don't remember how he played at all. Um, but uh, he's got a good name. And uh, excellent trivia. Excellent trivia answer. Ooh, really, eh? Yeah, For okay, because sure. I remember, like, Sharks, but I didn't remember the part where he went to Vegas. Was that, did he? Did yeah. they flip him? Was I right on that? Yeah, two days after the expansion draft, Montreal traded uh, a fifth-round yeah. pick for David Schlemko. Okay. Uh, and the nice. Colin Miller was a little different, because he actually played with Vegas for two years before they traded him to right, Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, what am I saying? What am I saying? What was I even saying? I knew that. Yeah, oh, I don't God. know. Anyways, hell yeah. Right. Let's go. You just picked, like, just uh, smash the squeaky pie. Huh? You picked like number eleven for Boston and twelve for the Islanders. Montreal was waiting behind door number thirteen, so oh, you, were, you were close. No. Oh, I was thinking like you know it'll bring me bad luck, but uh, it's <laughs> not. But anyways, Slavko brought me the but good luck apparently. Yeah, hell yeah, totally. Okay, all right. Okay, any final thoughts on this week's episode of Fusion? Uh, yeah, sure. Just back at it with Cole Caulfield. What a stud. Hell yeah. A plus, And uh, he's going to score all the goals, just like he already has. I uh, just thought I'd plug him some more. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. We will be back sometime next weekend, whenever we can fit it into our schedules, and talk about how Montreal blew the series lead to the Golden Knights <laughs> and are very disappointed. Or not. But I'm trying to keep my hopes down because it's worked so far.